Hey, everybody, this is Jim Mylock. Before we cue the normal intro music, I wanted to talk about a few things at the top of the podcast today. So first of all, you are listening to the very first episode of our pod that's a part of the Already In series. And it's pretty self-explanatory, like most of the things I talk about on this show is Already In series is about players already in the Hall of Fame. I started this podcast only a year ago. And there's a lot of players already in the Hall of Fame that I don't really get a chance to talk about much, and I'd like to pay tribute to them every once in a while. So the Already In series will be something I do every maybe several months where I look back at a player already in the Hall of Fame and talk about their career, their legacy, what they meant to the game, how they changed the game, all that good stuff in an episode that's similarly formatted to our normal episodes with a few different categories thrown in there to make a little, you know, makes a little more sense if they're not already. I'm not doing a case against someone who's already in the Hall of Fame. So uh, that is what the Already In series is. Today is the very first episode of our Already In series. Uh, next week, we'll have our normal episode that you know talks about a player who's not in. But every once in a while, I will do this. And I'm su- super excited to kind of start that today. So why did I choose today to start the Already In series? Well, because Father's Day was yesterday. Uh, my dad is a huge fan of the player we did today's episode on. It's, I believe, his favorite a- athlete of all time. And as a belated Father's Day gift, I wanted to do a podcast today on a player that he's very, very familiar with. Now, my dad listens to the podcast. He is familiar with most players I think I talk about. Maybe not all of them, but most of them. However, he really knows uh, the player I'll talk about today. So uh, this is not the only gift I got my dad. I got my dad something yesterday, an actual gift. But this is part of the gift as well. So, Dad, um, happy Father's Day. I hope you enjoy this episode. I think you will. I also want to give a quick shout to three uh, of my friends who are newly fathers as they celebrated their first Father's Day yesterday, uh, who may or may not listen to the show. I, I believe they do, but who knows? Uh, they're busy guys now for sure. Maybe they don't have the time, but um, Andrew and Jason in Chicago, congratulations on being a father. Peter out in Minnesota, congratulations on being a father and getting to celebrate your first Father's Day yesterday. I'm sure you guys are exhausted. So if you're up with the the baby at night, um, turn the turn this podcast on. Uh, listen to our our topic today. Maybe it'll put um, your newborn to to sleep. Maybe not though, because it's so exciting, right? But hopefully my voice is a little more soothing than it sounds right now and they can get to bed. So guys, congratulations. But that's why I picked today's topic and why I'm starting it today. And then finally, one last note, apologize for all the announcements here. I feel like a church bulletin board or something like that. But last announcement, July 12th is going to be our one year anniversary of the podcast. I cannot believe it around this time last year. I was actually working on the logo designs for the pod, but July 12th will be our one-year anniversary. For the anniversary, I want to do something special. I want to do a mailbag episode, okay? So I want to do a mailbag episode that will require people to provide me with questions that I can answer. And this can be anything from, you know, you hear hear that all the show all the time. You know, I really care a lot about football, baseball, and basketball. If you have a question about another sport and another, like why I want to do episodes on hockey or tennis or who should I do an episode on? Feel free to send that my way. If you want to know, you know, what, what's my Rushmore of top centers of the 80s? Happy to build that for you. Who are my favorite Lakers of all time? I'm not going to have that much fun doing it, but I can do it for you. 
who's better, Wilt Chamberlain or Bill Russell? Who are my top five NFL wide receivers of all time? Any question you want about sports, send them in. And you can either email me at potoffame at gmail.com or tweet at me at potoffame. At, just say this is a mailback question, and I will answer right here on the show on July 12th. I have a few more announcements over the upcoming weeks about that. But again, email me at potoffame at gmail.com or tweet at me at, at potoffame. Any questions you have about the show, about future episodes, about just sports in general, and I'm happy to answer. I People tweet at me questions all the time. I've gotten a few emails, but the mailbag will only be as good as the questions that you all send me. So please send them my way so I have something to talk about on July 12th. So with the notes out of the way, let's bring on the intro music. This is the NBA on NBC. What is up, everybody? This is Jim Malak, and you're listening to Pot of Fame, the podcast where we talk about former athletes inside, whether or not that you get a call to the hall. On today's special, already in series episode, I'm going to be talking about former Chicago Bears running back Walter Payne and talk about his greatness, legacy, and his career because he is already in the Hall of Fame as he got in back in 1993. So as I said at the top of the podcast, this is the already in series. We are going to be talking about someone who is already in the Hall of Fame. And I could not think of any better player to start it with besides maybe Michael Jordan, which will be a three or four hour just marathon of an episode. It'll probably have to be two episodes. But other than Michael Jordan, Walter Payton is probably... The person I would want to do this on the most, he's one of my favorite players of all time. He's, as I said at the top, he's someone my dad introduced me to um, as a kid, obviously, because I didn't get to see Walter Payne play. And he is the jersey I wear every Sunday. He's 34, uh, navy blue. That's I wear every Sunday when I'm watching my Bears. It's someone I always look back at YouTube clips on. I always think of as, you know, the best bear of all time. And I'll talk about a little later on, is, is he the best bear of all time? And just one of the best players in NFL history. We're starting off with a bang here. This is this is the opposite of what my show usually is, which is about a borderline candidate. This is the all automatic shoe in where they almost should take down the weight restriction, or you know, the weight, the the years weight you have to do to get in the Hall of Fame. They should just put them in right after they hang up their cleats after their last game because there is no doubt that Walter Payne is one of the greatest players of all time. So. What we're going to do on today's segment, the very first uh, already in series, we're going to run through most of the same segments we usually do on our show. Uh, I restructured court a little bit because there's case for case against. That would be kind of dumb here. He's already in. Um, so I actually created two new segments to replace um, court. So we're going to, of course, do what comes to mind, that memorable moment and Ann twins like we always do. Then again, instead of court, I'm going to do a, a segment called legacy which is just what's their legacy. And then a, a segment called Rushmore, which is just what kind of Rushmore would we put this player on? Uh, so it can be kind of anything, but any player I'm talking about for the already in series will have a Rushmore they're on, whether it be best at the position, team, decade, something. You can always make a Rushmore for a player. 
that I will do these already in series episodes on. So that's kind of the format. Today, you're only really going to be hearing from me. I'm actually going to bring my dad on at the end of the episode to briefly talk about a time he met Walter Payne and what Walter Payne meant to him. But outside of that, it'll just be me today. The reason why is, if you remember my early episodes, and a lot of the listeners today do not remember my early episodes, but my early episodes, I didn't have a guest on. And the reason being, I wanted to test out some of the segments. I wanted to get the flow down of how these would work before I start bringing someone else on. So these first several already in series episodes will probably just be me. And in the future, I will bring on either former teammates, um, maybe even the player themselves. I have to see if that would work. But uh, there's going to be a a few different things I can do here. And because these episodes are going to be a lot more positive than sometimes my normal episodes are on, because we're not saying a case against, we're not saying someone shouldn't be in. It's all pretty positive. We can look to bring on former teammates, former coaches, that player themselves more because I'm not, it's, it's awkward, right? To talk negatively about someone while they're on or while I'm talking to their teammate. Uh, I tried that a few, uh, you know, once actually with my normal episodes and it, it can create a somewhat awkward situation, right? If you are start talking about stuff negative. So first episode will just be me. Maybe the second episode will just be me. But in the future, these already in a series episodes will include a guest. So just be on the lookout for that. You will not have to listen to just me. So. Let's start off the podcast. What comes to mind? When it comes to Walter Payne, the first thing, and a lot of stuff floods in my mind, but the first thing that really comes to my mind, if I really had to think about it, would be his rare combination of power and grace. Because half of me, when I think of, like, I think of Walter Payne as part Bronco Nagurski, a, a really old-time Bears fullback who is just a, a brute of a player, just an absolute bull of a player. I think in a combination of Bronco Nagurski and Gail Sayers, who's probably one of the most beautiful players to ever play the game, one of the most graceful players. So it's that combination of power and grace that Wilder Payne played with where he was bulldozing people, you know, running people over, lowering his head, breaking eight, nine tackles on a run, stiff-arming people. You had a trademark stiff-arm. He was just throwing people down to the ground. He had all of that power that a, a, a Derrick Henry has today in a smaller build. He's only 5'10", 200, but he was one of the stronger players in the NFL. Um, just that booby miles type God-given strength. He worked out on the hills, so we will talk about that later probably, but worked on the hills like a a honestly, like a psychopath, just running up and down huge tree trunk legs, giant biceps, broad shoulders, monster of a guy. But he also had the grace uh, of someone like Gail Sayers. He, uh, you know, he's, he's shifty. He wasn't elite speed, but he could go in between the tackles. He had that uh, trademark stutter step uh, that, that he would kind of slow down and, and change speeds and have people go by him because he wasn't elite speed. He had that center step. He would do that scissor kick when he was running down the field. He had he would jump over the line, fly over the line right when you're on the goal line to get that touchdown. There's so many videos of him just leaping over people. Um, people said they knew the leaps coming. He still got over them. It's kind of insane. And then behind the line, right, he would change directions, run back and forth. Early Walter Payne in the 70s really didn't have a good offensive line 
So he would kind of run all over the place just to try to gain a yard or two. By the, the early 80s, mid-80s, the offensive line was vastly improved. But in the early stages, he had to go all... He was like Devin Hester, honestly, going back and forth, cutting back and forth, weaving in and out. So graceful his play at times was. But then he could turn on that strength and just overpower people too. So that raw combination, like when I think of most running backs, I think of one particular trait they were elite at. When I think of you know someone like Barry Sanders, I, I, I think of you know that speed he had. Right. Uh, when I think of Derrick Henry, as I said earlier, it's sheer power. When I think of Earl Campbell, I think of sheer power. But when it comes to Waller Payton, it's that combination of power and grace, that agility and power. It's rare. And I think it's what makes Walter Payton great and why we think of him as one of the best, right? Because he just, it was that combination he had. It wasn't just one thing it was he was a lead at, one of the best, that it was multiple things. And he put that all together in a complete package that made him, again, this running back you really didn't want to run into. And he didn't run out of bounds, and he laid the hit on you, and you did not want to be in his way. Um, but he could also be, again, one of the most beautiful players to watch on a football field. And anyone that looks back at his old highlights and watches him keep his balance and watches him go in between the tackles and spin off people like a pinball, it's quite remarkable. One of the more fun YouTube rewatches. He's a rewatchable, I guess I'd say, as a player, right? You want to go back and rewatch his best um, runs. So that would be what comes to mind immediately, that rare combination of power and grace he had. So let's shift to that memorable moment. So for that memorable moment, we go all the way back to November 20th, 1977, when the Chicago Bears played the Minnesota Vikings in Chicago. Walter Payton had a fever this day, a 101 degree fever, and actually he was the original flu game, not Michael Jordan. Everyone thinks of the flu game, they immediately think of 97 finals, Michael Jordan with the flu. That was actually not the original flu game. The original flu game was Walter Payne here. He had a flu. He had a fever. Some people were saying it was 104 degrees. I don't know if you could walk with 104 degree fever, but whether it be 101, 104, he went out there and he played and he ran for an NFL record 275 yards on the ground and a touchdown in a 10-7 Bears victory. And that record stood all the way until the year 2000 when Corey Dillon of the Bengals ran for 278 yards. And then since then, it's been beaten by Jerome Harrison, super random, Jamal Lewis. And today, the record is with Adrian Peterson, of the Minnesota Vikings, right, who they played, who ran for 296 yards in a game. And that's the record today. But Payne's record stood for 23 years. Um, he beat the record. It was actually set the year before by O.J. Simpson who ran for 273 yards. So he ran 275 rushing yards with the flu against the Minnesota Vikings. I want to call a couple of things out here. One, the Minnesota Vikings were no slouch of a defense back in, in 77. Uh, they still had three of the four uh, original purple people eaters, which of those of you listening who are Vikings fans, um, were probably the best defensive line in NFL history. It had Hall of Famers Alan Page and Carl Eller on it. And also had Jim Marshall on it, who um, most people think should be in the Hall of Fame. I'll probably do an episode of him later. So they had a, a fearsome defensive line, three of the four original Purple People Eaters. 
They also had a linebacker who was a pro bowler for many years, Matt Blair. They had a really good defense. Now, this was at the end, I think, of their reign as, as one of the best defensive lines of all time, but they still were very good up front. But did not stop Walter Payne on this day. Uh, he pretty much made up the entire Bears offense. So he ran for 275 yards, had a six-yard catch. So he finished the day with 281 yards. The Bears had 366 yards of total offense, which meant he made up 77% of the Bears offense. He actually had more yards than the entire Vikings offense, which had a total of 188 yards. So he well surpassed everything Minnesota did that day. Uh, but he put on quite a show with a flu with a fever here. Uh, he carried the ball in the first half for 144 yards and a touchdown. He also caught a six-yard pass. Those 150 yards in the first half were all done by Walter Payne. That was the only completion by the quarterback at the time to Walter um, in that first half. So all 150 yards of the Bears in the first half were Walter Payne. The only touchdown of the game was Walter Payne, um, and he really did get them to that victory. One last thing I want to call out about this memorable moment. I failed to mention, or I think I at least failed to mention, that he carried the ball 40 times to get to 275 yards. 40 carries. A 40-carry game could be my favorite statistic out there across sport. A 40-carry game is ridiculous. That is the ball in the running back's hand almost the entire game. How many times has it happened in NFL history? I had to go back and look. That's happened 20 times in NFL history where a ball carry has had 40 carries or more. So it's extremely rare. The last time that the last time it happened was Sean Alexander, the Seahawks, who in 2006 had 40 carries. I don't know if it'll ever happen again. Um, with the way the NFL is played today, Derrick Henry might get to 40 carries one day, but Sean Alexander may very well be the last of the 40 yard or 40 carry um, running backs. It's just probably not going to happen again. So uh, 40 carries, complete workers, 275 yards, a touchdown, 10-7 Bears victory against a very good Minnesota Viking front line. That is Walter Payne's memorable moment, a Hall of Fame moment as it was a record when he set it there and it was a record when he retired and stayed a record until 2000. I remember when Corey Dillon broke that record, my dad, was a little heartbroken by that because that was a, a, a game you could always point to. That was Payne's game. That stood out among them all. Um, his 1977 performance against the Vikings, Bud Grant, and that defense. So let's shift to our final regular segment we do here, and twins. I love quarterbacks eating dirt, pom-poms and short skirts, fans who won't quit, and those twins. So for Ann Twins, you all know, we compared to someone who already in the Hall of Fame. I'm going to do the same thing. I was thinking maybe comparing to someone in today's game, but I think I'll stick with the regular Ann Twins formula. And who I'm going to do here is someone, this was not that hard for me. Um, it's Ladanium Tomlinson, uh, San Diego Charger, former San Diego Charger. Now, usually when I do Ann Twins, the person I'm comparing the player to is usually a lot better because they're already in the Hall of Fame. Uh, this person's on the border, but in this case, Ladale Tomlinson is not as good as Waller Payne, but still, I think, a favorable comp. Ladale Tomlinson looked up to Waller Payne. I feel like them as, as players were very similar. Ladale Tomlinson was a five-time pro, five pro bowler, three-time all-pro, one-time MVP. Waller Payne also won an MVP. Ladale Tomlinson also, I haven't mentioned this at all so far, Waller Payne, really nice, likable guy. 
very well like teammate, great teammate, good person. Ladell Tomlinson was also he won the 2006 Walter Payne Man of the Year award actually, which is awarded to a player who has all the same values of Walter Payne as a player. So he actually won that award. Tomlinson about the same size. He was 5'10", 215. He led the league in rushing twice, touchdowns three times. He was a great receiver out of the backfield, just like Waller Payne was, and actually did it at a higher level um, than Payne. He also, and this is honestly, I think, what tied me to him first. He was known for the halfback pass. He threw seven career touchdown passes, which is just second to Waller Payne in history of most uh, passing touchdowns by a running back, which Walter Payne owns that record of eight. Uh, I also, Tomlinson threw three in 2005 alone. You'd think they would figure that out by now, but yeah, both could throw the ball as well as run the ball. Tomlinson's seventh all-time in carries, seven-time all-time in rushing yards, which are just behind Walter Payne. Um, and he's second in career rushing touchdowns, were actually ahead of Walter Payne. So great touchdown score, played for a very long time, got up there in the top 10 in pretty much all the key categories here. Super nice guy. Owned, I own the jersey of Tomlinson too, which I think played the part. I own the jersey of Walter Payne. I own the jersey of Tomlinson. I always kind of think of these guys hand in hand. Payne's a superior player, but Tomlinson can kind of do it all. Well liked. Sure, sure, Fire Hall of Famer, just like Payne. I don't say their play was as similar. Like, I don't remember Tomlinson being as powerful as a running back. He was agile, but I don't think he was as graceful as Payne. So he didn't have like the trademark moves he did. The, the one thing he did have, though, Tomlinson jumped over the pile a lot at the goal line to score touchdowns, just like Waller Payne did. So that kind of reminded me of him as well. So Tomlinson is the closest thing I would say is a twin to Payne in the Hall of Fame today. Um, but I think really Payne's a combination, some of the best parts of uh, several Hall of Famers. So it's tough. It's not really fair. This is probably not a fair segment to do when it's someone like Waller Payne, but Tomlinson is the closest comp. Tomlinson is an all-time great. So nothing against Tomlinson. Tomlinson, he's one of my favorite running backs of all time, just not on Walter, Walter Payne's level. All right, so two final segments here. These are, again, things I've been workshopping. The new, the first new segment we're going to get to is what is your legacy? <laughs> So for what is your legacy? I was just trying to think about like, why is this? Why am I talking about this person? What is their legacy? What was their mark on the NFL? For Walter Payne, this is going to be a a mouthful. But I do think he's the most complete back in NFL history. The most complete running back in NFL history. Let me tell you why. He was considered probably the best blocking running back in NFL history. That's not thought about too much today. Um, even though it should, because we passed a lot of time, but like when Ezekiel Elliott came out in the draft, they're like, he's a great blocking running back. Not every running back comes out and knows how to block. Some learn how to block. Walter Payne from almost day one was an excellent blocker. He could get to the second level. He would take on linebackers and flatten them. I told you earlier, he's super strong take on nose tackles and get them out of the way. He really took on everyone and is probably the best blocking running back of all time. In terms of a runner, he's one of the best runners of all time. You could say just pure runner. You could look at players like Barry Sanders, Eric Dickerson, players like that, but he's just with them in terms of 
his ability to be both a power back as well as someone who's agile can go, you know, on the outside, but he could go in between the tackles as well, go over, over the, the line. Like I said, he could do it all as a runner pass catcher. When he retired, he was the all-time leader in catches for running back and receiving yards for running back. He also still is the, the bears record holder, believe it or not for catches all time. Crazy, but excellent. One of the best pass catchers out of the backfield. One of the first running backs to really be a first, uh, you know, a great pass catcher out of the backfield. I said earlier, he holds the record for most uh, passing touchdowns by a running back. He could do that model teammate. Exactly what you want as a teammate, unselfish leader, all of that had all the intangibles there. He even punted the ball once. People said he almost was the punter at one point because he could have been better than the punter. He won the, uh, he held the record for, he didn't held the record. I'm sorry. His rookie season, he was a kick returner only for one year, but he led the league in kick return average in 1975. So he did that too. He could do that. He didn't fumble much. He was very good at holding on to the football. People say he could have played defense just due to his strength and his speed. Uh, multiple Bears players from the 85 Bears, those 80s Bears team said Walter Payne's one of the few offensive players they believe could play defense as well. And I read, I came across some stat. I, I can't remember it now, but I, I read some stat one day that in the early years when the Bears quarterbacks were doing a ton of interceptions, one season he had like 18 tackles just because he wasn't playing special teams, just because he was running down people that picked off Bears um, quarterbacks and tackling them. So just, again, I think the most complete running back in NFL history, you can argue that he's the best. Some people are going to say Jim Brown, Barry Sanders, Eric Dixon, Emmett Smith, players like that. But in terms of complete being so well-rounded, right, I think he's the most well-rounded, complete running back of all time. And I would I would say it'd be hard for you to find someone to argue. Again, I think someone could say someone's better than him. That's fine. But to be a more complete football player, a running back, can do it all. I really think Walter Payne is the most complete. I think that's his legacy. I mean, listen to what he, when he retired in 87, what he retired as most of these have been broken by now, actually all these, but one has been broken by now, but when he retired in 87, he led the lead or NFL history in carries in rushing yards, in rushing touchdowns, most a thousand yard seasons, which he had 10 most yard or games with a hundred or more yards in, in a game, 77. Um, most, Rushing yards in a game, the game I talked about earlier against Minnesota. Most catches by a running back. Most receiving yards by a running back. And the one record he still owns, most passing touchdowns by a running back. So when he retired, he pretty much reset the record book. Jim Brown owned a lot of those records. Franco Harris owned some. He almost set every record when he retired. And a lot of those took a very long time. I mean, the rushing record took till Emmett Smith broke it after playing a lot you know, more games than Walter, having more carries than Walter. But a lot of these records stood for a good amount of time before someone broke them. But when he retired, he was by far, you know, the most decorated running back. So yeah, most complete running back across the board, filled the box score. If this was basketball, he filled the box score. He did it all. I, like a LeBron James, right? Like a Luka Doncic. Covered all the categories you really could. So that's how I look at him. 
Legacy-wise, as a Bear, so the Bears have the most Hall of Famers in NFL history. Walter Payne is the best Chicago Bear of all time. I don't know if you're going to find many Bears fans that disagree with you there. There might be some defensive-focused Bears fans that are going to say Dick Buckkiss is the best Bear of all time. Some people might point to championships and look at Sid Luckman as the best Bear of all time. Some some people might get smart with their answer, say it's George Hallis because he played for the Bears before coaching and owning. I think that's just a smart-ass answer. Um, but Walter Payton's the best Bear of all time. I don't think there's much debate. Uh, I think 9 out of 10 Bears fans will tell you that. I could be wrong, but that's at least how I feel from being in Chicago, knowing Bears fans, talking to Bears fans. Walter Payton's the jersey you're going to see the most in the stadium, even though he played, you know, last played over 30 years ago. He's who I grew up idolizing, even though I never saw him play. He's someone that will always be in our history. He's our best running back of all time. There's no doubt about that. There's no debate there. But he's the best bear of all time. And that's his legacy, I think, as a Chicago bear and in Chicago lore. And if you're looking at best Chicago athletes of all time, it's, it's going to be MJ1, Walter Payne 2. We're not going to go any deeper there. Just MJ1, Walter Payne 2. Um, there's a lot of... Blackhawks, Cubs players that could probably follow after other Bears, Bulls, but it's MJ1, Payne 2 in terms of Chicago Rushmore, Chicago Pantheon. I'm not going to get there today. I want to save that for another day, but that's how his legacy is, I guess, in Chicago. Legacy-wise, though, in terms of NFL, we're going to actually save that for the final segment, which is Rushmore. So again, at the top, I said Rushmore is going to be, it could be anything. It can be something where they were one of the top four players of all time at a particular thing. And I can really make this anything it is. I'll try to make it for what they're most well-known for. What's the most prestigious Rushmore they could be on? I think I like that, right? What's the most prestigious Rushmore they could be on? And for Walter Payne, I think he might just miss, just miss. And I, when I say just miss, I mean like t- he's number five but I think he just misses NFL Rushmore. So top four players in NFL history. But what he does make easily, I think, is running back Rushmore. So if I'm building a Rushmore of the best running backs of all time, Walter Payne is easily on that Rushmore. And honestly, to me, he takes the place of George Washington. He is the best running back of all time to me. He is. I was waiting till the end to say that. Maybe I slipped up, but he is the best running back in NFL history to me. I could have bias because I'm from Chicago, but let me go through the numbers. Nine-time Pro Bowler, five-time All-Pro, one-time MVP, one-time Super Bowl champion. He was first team. They they make that All-Hall of Fame team, right? The Hall of Fame votes on a, a team... They have a first team, a second team, all Hall of Fame team. He was on the 1970s Hall of Fame team and the 1980s Hall of Fame team as a first team running back. So two different decades. That's He made his mark in two different decades. He, he finished his career, and now in today's game, I guess, second in all-time in rushing with 16,726 rushing yards. Only Emmett Smith has more. 
He's second in career carries only. Emmett Smith has more. He's fifth in career rushing touchdowns. He's sixth in career rushing yards per game at 88 yards per game. And he finished his career with 492 catches and 125 career touchdowns and also eight passing touchdowns, which is still the highest for a running back. He also was the best blocking running back of all time, as I said before, and a model teammate. To me, Walter Payne is the best running back of all time and is clearly on my running back Rushmore for NFL history. Now, a lot of people are going to disagree with me, and that's fine. They're going to say Jim Brown is, is the best running back of all time. That may be true. I wouldn't really argue too much with you there. But Jim Brown's easily on my Rushmore. I'll put it there. And Jim Brown, for me, it's hard, it's hard for me to do the Jim Brown thing because he played, he played in the 50s and 60s, and it's kind of like when Wilt Chamberlain played. Like, the stats don't even make sense. Um, or, or, like, some of the records he sent didn't really make sense because there was just no one like him. Like, Jim Brown was six foot two, 232 pounds at the running back position. That would be big in today's NFL, but in the 50s and 60s, that made him like bigger than like linebackers and honestly made him like almost the same size of like the D lineman. So he was just like throwing people off and like running over people, running around people. It's kind of stupid. And if I read off Jim Brown's stats here, his, his accolades, it's ridiculous. Okay, so nine Pro Bowls, eight all pros, three MVPs. He won an NFL championship, retired at 29. So he only played nine seasons in the NFL. So he was, in, he was an all-pro eight out of nine seasons. He was a Pro Bowl every time, every year he played. And he led the league in rushing eight seasons. So eight of the nine seasons he played, he led the league in rushings, eight rushing titles. He also led the league in ru- or touchdowns four times and carries six times. His 104.3 yards per game is still the highest in NFL history. And even though he played way back in the 50s and 60s, he's still 11th all-time in history in rushing yards and 6th all-time in history in rushing touchdowns. So Jim Brown easily can be on Rushmore. Or he's easily on Rushmore, I'm sorry, but easily can be the number one back. Again, I'm still sticking with Walter at one, but Jim Brown's a fine answer. You don't have to tweet at me or email me. That's dumb. I get it. Maybe it's dumb. Maybe I'm a homer. I think that's fair for me to be a homer, but... Jim Brown is on Rushmore. So it's Payne. It's Brown. Third guy is easy for me, too. It's Barry Sanders, another guy at a jersey. If I just a jersey, I have a jersey of Payne and I wear today. But as a kid growing up, I had a jersey of Barry Sanders and I had a jersey of Lydia Tomlinson. I did I did a jersey of Barry Sanders because growing up, he was my Walter Payne at first. He was the guy playing in the NFL at the time. He was on the Lions, he was on a team. The Bears played at least twice a year. And I saw him all the time, and the blue jerseys were sick. The powder blue jerseys were sick. I had it. I rocked it. My dad, again, Father's Day, good dad. He let his son wear a opponent's jersey. I don't know if I would let my son do that. However, Barry Sanders was fun to watch. The Lions were not that big of a threat. But so it wasn't like, oh, I was wearing, you know, a Packers jersey or anything like that. But Barry Sanders, one of my favorite players of all time, I think easily slots in at number three for me. 10-time Pro Bowler, six-time All-Pro, one-time MVP, five, five yards of carry for his career. Every season, he made the Pro Bowl. Every season, he ran for over 1,000 yards, which is insane. 
He's third all-time in rushing with 15,269 yards and 99 touchdowns. Led the league in rushing four times. He had that 2,053-yard season in 97 at the age of 29. He retired a year later. His 99.8 yards per game uh, average for his career, second all-time, just Jim Brown. And he's only 5'8", 203, and he was definitely not a power back, but just kind of ran circles around people. I said Walter Payne's the uh, rewatchable running back. Barry Sanders is my number one in terms of rewatchable YouTube kind of clip running back. Just insane highlights. Um, Barry Sanders didn't do it all like Walter did. Uh, I learned that later in life when I started to care about stuff like blocking, catching the ball, the backfield, doing fun stuff like passing. Uh, but that's not, I mean, Barry Sanders is a pure running back might be the best to me in terms of just speed, agility, quickness, running, running circles around people fun to watch. Uh, but he wasn't the complete running back Walter was, but still has a spot on Rushmore uh, by far does. I remember when he was going toward the record, I really wanted him to break it. Again, I was a kid. I didn't really understand. My dad, though, was like, I really hope he doesn't. Barry Sanders, I, I believe he, like, I might be making this up. <laughs> I believe he said something like, I didn't want to break Walter Payne's record. It was right around the time Walter, I don't know if, I think Barry actually, the season he retired, his last season might have been in 98. So, I don't know if it was out yet that Walter was sick or not, but going into the 99 season, he could have possibly broken um, or got near Walters. He probably would need one more season, but got near Walters and Walter got sick and of course passed away. And I don't know if that had anything to do with him hanging up or respecting Walter, but Barry Sanders retired at the peak of his powers very early, did not break the record. Um, I'm sure a Lions fan can tell me exactly what happened there, but I believe he might retire early, one, because he wanted to get out of football like people do. But two, I think it was out of respect. Some of it was maybe out of respect to Walter, the record, him. Um, and, yeah, you know, Walter passed away the fall of 99. Barry Sanders did not play that season. So 98 was his last. So, again, I don't know if that had anything to do with it. Walter did, but I feel like in my memory it did have something to do with it. Or he said the record was hollow, something like that. So whatever it may be, Barry Sanders, number three probably my second favorite running back of all time after Walter Payne. Um, originally my first, one of my first athletes I really idolized, especially my first non-Chicago athlete I idolized. Him and Dan Marino, very random. Cool jerseys, both of them, I don't know. Anyway, last guy on Rushmore. So I got Payne, I got Jim Brown, I got Barry Sanders. None of those should be shocking. Honestly, I don't know if a running back will ever come along again to knock any of those three out. And the last guy... It's kind of obvious, too. Like, these running backs, this Rushmore, they might actually be able to build this in stone somewhere in Ken because I don't know if you're ever going to have to change it because I think all four of these guys might, because the running back position has changed so much, players aren't playing longer or playing as long as some of these guys did. By 29, running backs are completely burnt out. We don't run the ball as much. I, I don't know if we're changing this Rushmore. It's Emmett Smith. It's got to be, right? All-time leader in rushing yards, in carries, um, in in touchdowns, in rushing touchdowns. That's the guy I'm saying fourth. It's ridiculous, right? And some people are Emmett Smith people over Barry Sanders. or I get it. Eight-time Pro Bowler, four, four-time All-Pro, three-time Super Bowl champion, one-time MVP. This guy was a touchdown machine, led the league in rushing four times, touchdowns three times, carries three times. And the thing he has above the other three 
is he's the, he's the playoff guy, right? So he's a workhorse in the playoffs. He has the playoff resume. The other three don't. 17 games played, just under 1,600 rushing yards, 21 total touchdowns. Um, monster, 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 monster in the playoffs. It was a huge part of all three of those Super Bowls. So some people, if you bank on playoff performance a ton, Emmitt Smith might be your number one guy. Like any of these Rushmore guys can legit be a number one guy, but they all belong on Rushmore. And I don't think like you could maybe say Eric Dickerson should have a place on here. I don't know who you're taking off though for Eric Dickerson. You could look at other running backs. Like, I mean, you're not knocking off any of these guys for Frank Gore. I don't care how far he goes up the list, how far he plays. Um, Derek Henry is not going to knock anyone off this list. Lydiano Tomlinson's not knocking on the door here. Like Tony Dorsett, like Marshall Falk, like all great running backs. But like these guys might, like this really is one of the, I want to, I don't want to say non-debatable, but like, I don't know, message me if I'm missing something. But also like Mehmet's got the all-time stuff. Barry's got kind of the peak season stuff. Walter Payne's got that complete package stuff. Jim Brown's just Jim Brown, one of the top, 10 players of all time, really one of the league's first stars. Just ridiculous looking numbers when you look back now. I, I don't know. Like all these guys have a case. I'm sure I made someone mad today. I'm sorry. But anyway, Rushmore, Walter Payne's on Rushmore. One of the best four backs of all time. I think the best back of all time. And that is Rushmore. So that's all I have, guys. That Those, those are the five segments I think I'm going to run through um, when I do these already in uh, episodes. I I just want to say, you know, Walter Payne to me, again, a favorite player, someone I look up to, look, you know, rewatch YouTube videos of, talk about still to this day. I think we're always talking about Walter Payne. And again, just, I didn't get into any of this. I was really focused on his career, but like, Outside of football, just high character guy, good guy, well liked, um, all of that stuff. Walter Payne was just the man. They they named the Man of the Year award after him. It speaks for itself. So so that's gonna be the episode. Uh, but before we go, one last thing I'm gonna run. If you want to go, enjoy your week again. Happy Father's Day, all those fathers. If you don't want to go, if you want a little. Waller Payne. This wasn't long enough. You thought Jim talks a lot. He was by himself that he was going to talk a lot more. I think I kept this pretty short, honestly, for how much I love Waller Payne. Again, Michael Jordan will not be this short. I promise you that one day. Also, just quick side note, because I talked about MJ Payne. These all these already in series are not going to be just about Chicago athletes. I know I'm from Chicago. I talk about Chicago. These will be about like my next three episodes I already have planned out. Again, these will be throughout the rest of this year. They're non-Chicago athletes, so do not worry. Um, I'm not just doing Chicago in this series, but I want to start with someone in Chicago. I want to start with someone about my dad, but anyway, I would probably usually um, end it here, but if you want a little more Walter Payne, I'm going to bring on my dad for just a little bit. He met Walter Payne once. Um, he has a good story about him. He's again, the person that got me excited about this and it's father's day. I want to throw him out of the pot. He's never been on before. So I'm going to kind of cut over to my dad, a conversation I had with him about war pain and the time he met him now. So uh, if you want, listen to that conversation. 
If you don't want to hear my dad, his name is Jim as well as mine. So we call him Big Jim. If you don't want to hear about Big Jim, Mean Wall of Pain, uh, we will talk to you next Monday. Again, mailbag. Email us, potoffame.com. Tweet at us on Twitter at Pot of Fame. Um, go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Follow us if you don't already. Leave us a rating if you don't already. And we will talk to you next Monday with a regular show. Thanks for listening. And again, for those sticking with us, uh, here's Big Jim. All right. So I have my dad on the line, the man responsible for taking me to my very first Bears game, Bulls game, Cubs game, pretty much any sporting event. Dad, welcome to the pod. It's your podcast debut. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right. So I brought you on because you actually saw Walter Payne play. You actually met Walter Payne before I, of course, was too young. Um, Actually, I wasn't even born yet by the time you retired. You retired in 87. I was born in 89. But you, again, saw him. You met him. And before we talk about maybe the story of when you met Walter Payne, uh, I, I brought it up earlier in the podcast. I wasn't sure, though. Would you say Walter Payne is your favorite athlete of all time? I didn't know if it was Walter, if it was Ernie Banks or someone else, but is Walter Payne your favorite athlete of all time? Well, he's definitely, yeah, he's probably my favorite athlete of all time and definitely my favorite football player of all time. And, and, and why, Why? I guess, again, I, I, you've told me about Walter for years, but, like, what about him? I mean, you watched him. He was a bear. What about him makes – why is he your favorite athlete? I know why MJ is my favorite athlete of all time. Why is Walter Payne your favorite athlete of all time? Well, to me, uh, Walter Payne is like a freak of nature. The guy could not get hurt. You he would just bounce off of people. And the beauty of him was the way he could cut against the grain. You know, you see some, some running back do that, but he did it so often. He did it effortlessly. And he, he just pulled by, by this guy could block. He could catch out of backfield. He could, his running abilities were just phenomenal. Just crazy. And yeah, he only missed one game, I believe, in his career. And he was held out. It was a coach's decision. It wasn't even his decision. He was extremely durable, even though he was a super powerful guy, you know, running up and down the field. Is there a certain, um, is there a certain game that you remember, again, either in person or on TV? Is there a specific game that really comes to mind of watching him play that, that you can think yeah. about still to this day? It happens to be one of his best games ever. It was, uh, I think it was in November 1977. It was against the uh, Minnesota Vikings. And he rushed for, I think, his all-time high at 275 yards with 40 carries. And the thing about this game is just stuck out. He just kept running the ball, running the ball, running. And all, that's all he did all day. I mean, think about that. 40 carries in one game, that's phenomenal. And it was just a fun game to watch. Of course, we won. But uh, but it was just a fun game to watch because think about Walter Payton. Is when he first started his career, we had no quarterback. I think he started with Vince Evans. I'm not sure. Yep. But, again, we didn't have a quarterback. So having some kind of offense with him, it was something to watch. He would, I mean, think about it. We didn't have a great line, not much of a quarterback, but he, he made plays happen. And, and, Dad, so Walter Payton came in the league 1975. You were, what, 13? Do, do, 75? Do you, no, 75, I was 15. I was, 15. Just, uh, I was just starting to play football in my career. <laughs> <laughs> 
do you like when he do you remember what you're 15 do you remember like when he got drafted he got drafted number four out of jackson state do you remember like was it a big deal that he was coming to the bears or was it kind of until he started producing you really didn't know who this guy was do you remember yeah. was it a big deal or no no it wasn't again i was only 15 at the time um and I, I think it was really the second or third season. As I asked, he might have been already producing a number, but I didn't recognize him until I was 16. Cause, and I was in high school. I was, I was a running back also. And that's all we talked about, you know, in the locker room. We talked about him, the way he could cut. Of course, I couldn't cut like him. I had a speed, but I could never cut like him. He, he could just cut on a dime. And uh, it was just amazing to watch him. Yeah. No, I mean, again, I have to rely on the highlights to watch him, but you – I. I, I told this story earlier, but I, uh, growing up in Chicago in the nineties, I actually had a Barry Sanders Jersey and it was blue. And I, I think I liked the color blue, honestly. And I, I liked watching him play. The first game you ever took me to was actually Detroit bears. I actually saw Barry Sanders play and I loved him. And I said, you were a good father. You, you let me get the opponent's Jersey. And I remember growing up, I thought Barry Sanders was the best running back of all time. And, he was getting closer and closer to Payne's record. And you were really like, I hope he does not break Payne's record. It took me a very long time to kind of appreciate Payne's career more just because I didn't get to see him play. And now I think Payne's the best running back of all time. I said it earlier today, but it took me a while to get there. But again, you, you let me kind of have my Barry Sanders fandom and over time learn. And now I wear the Walter Payne jersey every Sunday. But I want to get to why I brought you on the pod because not only did you see him play, but you actually met Walter Payne. Can you tell the listeners the story of the one time you did meet Walter? Yeah, um, it was actually in my college. I was a freshman. I think I was freshman or sophomore in college. And it was actually it was an accident. I didn't realize he was going to be there. He was in our gymnasium. And I was a big weightlifter back in that time. A really big weightlifter. That's all I did. And I was walking out of the weight room and I, I saw this big crowd. I, I said, what's going on? I said, Walter Payton. So I said, no way. I, I have no idea why I didn't know he was going to be there. So anyway, I waited in line. I waited about a half hour. And I came up to him and I, I talked to him for about uh, four or five minutes. Because I was always intrigued by his the way he worked out. You know, He used to run up hills in his backyard, up and down the hill all the time. And I asked him about his weightlifting. And it surprised me. He did not do a lot of weightlifting. He was stronger than heck, but he didn't do a lot of weightlifting. He did a, a lot of isometrics. You know, he did the push-ups. He did the pull-ups. He did you know, running hills. And that's what he did. But I remember, this, to me, this was a big deal. I remember he grabbed my arm and he said, man, you're pretty solid. I go, gee, thanks, Walter. <laughs> I mean, this guy was like a rock. I, I was pretty big, but this guy was just, you know, his legs were so big. Everything about him was just he was just amazing, but he was a really nice guy, nice guy to talk to, and that was probably one of my best memories talking to him. Um, and uh, I'll remember it for the rest of my life. Yeah, you you told me that story quite a bit growing up. Um, that's how <laughs> I got to know Walter Payne. And and for those listening at home, my dad, uh, my friends for the most part call my dad Big Jim. Uh, he he's being he's being modest. Back in the day, my dad was pretty pretty big. I mean. Again, I don't think your legs were any near the size of Walter Payne, but you could put up what three fifteen on the bench. You you said back in yeah, college. I, yeah, I did about three forty was my man. Three forty. Okay. I mean, honestly, I don't know if Walter Payne could put up three forty. Probably oh, could. I, He's I, naturally I bet strong, you. but 
he probably did it five or six times. <laughs> um, yeah, and and again, that was a story I grew up knowing. Uh, Walter Payne, you know him talking to you in that gymnasium, right, Dad? Him, you know, spending a little. And I'm sure he talked. I, I always heard, and I've always been told that he gave autographs to as many people as he could. They they named the Man of the Year award after Walter Payne because that's something I wanted to get across. Not only was he a complete football player and one of the best of all time. I think the best running back of all time, Jim Brown, maybe second. Um, some people say Jim Brown first. I have Walter first, but I think it gets lost. Walter Payne just seemed like a really good human being, a really good person that cared about the fans. that got to know fans. And just that one story that you have about him, I'm sure a lot of other fans have stories where Walter, you know, had made a connection with them. And I think that's what made him really special and what made him so beloved by Chicago? Yeah, he was, uh, it's very humble. You know, he didn't really talk to hype. He's, he's a very humble person. Yeah. And I think that's what makes a person great too. You know, being humble and being that good of an athlete. Um, I think that was just amazing. No, I agree. So dad, before we let you go, any, any other comments about Walter Payne or I, again, this podcast I did today it was on Walter just talking about how he was one of the greats, all the stories about him, what made him so great. Uh, you know, you talked about when you met him, his game against Minnesota, which we talked about earlier, 275 yards was the record. And that stood until 2000, as well as kind of his, his you know, ability on the field, his quickness on the field. Anything else you want to comment before we get you out of here? Yeah, no, other than I think you probably brought it up already. We talked about how he threw eight different touchdown passes as a running back. I thought that's pretty amazing. Um, the the bittersweetness of the Super Bowl, though, I'm glad he got to the Super Bowl, but it's unfortunate he did not score a touchdown in that game. I mean, we scored five touchdowns in that game, I think. We blew out the New England, and even William Perry got a touchdown, but Walter Payton didn't. He he really had a bad game in that Super Bowl. I didn't realize he only had like 61 yards in that game. And it's a shame. Because, and, but I think what happened was they keyed on him so much to hold him that allowed us to get you know the other touchdown. That's the only thing I could think about. But uh, again, it was a sad day. It was, it was a great day, but it was a sad day at the same time because I wanted Walter to get a touchdown. Yeah, I believe Mike Ditka said that, the coach of the Bears said that's his biggest regret, not getting Walter in the end zone, because I think it really hurt Walter, especially when they're giving, I mean, they were trying to rub it in with the fridge at the, uh, when he scored, but I, I think Ditka did say that was his biggest regret, and and that is what they were doing, Dad. Like Walter Payne, if, if he wasn't getting the ball, he was a decoy, right? They're putting multiple guys on him, the linebackers are following him around. So even though he only had, you know, so many yards, they did have to kind of, you know, make sure they're accounting for him. And that opens up the rest of the field. And that's what I think I'm most impressed about Walter Payne. He put up all those numbers and one, a lot of the time he put up those numbers, especially in the seventies, the offensive line was terrible. And then two, we never really, I mean, McMahon was there in the eighties, but he was kind of always hurt. We always didn't have a quarterback. So they always right. knew Walter was going to get the ball. And he still put up those numbers, even though they were keying on him at all times, he was still getting the numbers he did, which I think makes his career even more yeah. impressive. But you're absolutely right. And we, where we didn't have a line, that's where he learned to say, okay, I don't have a hole. I have to go find my own hole. And that's how come he cut back so often because the hole wasn't there. He had to create his own hole. Yeah. 
All right, Dad. Appreciate you coming on. I always find a way to get you on if you know or saw the player play. And Walter Payne is definitely one of those guys. So appreciate you coming on. And I will um I will see you see you this weekend for Father's Day. Okay. Thank you. And uh enjoy your podcast. This guy's great. Everybody should listen to him. All right, thanks, Dad. See ya. I'll see you on Sunday. Take care. Bye.